Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The next 10 minutes are inspired by an SAT problem and an old landlord. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. There aren't as many tricks and strategies and shortcuts to to the SAT there as as people think. Everybody thinks the the whole nature of preparing for this test is like, oh, you got to teach strategies, you got to understand how to take the test, you got to understand, you know, all the little shortcuts. And yeah, there are there are a couple. Don't get me wrong, there are definitely a couple couple little shortcuts, but the vast majority of the work needs to come in grammar rules, needs to come in math concepts, needs to come in you getting better at reading. I mean, there are a lot of little things like that that as much as people want to believe, you know, there's there's some strategy. There's just really not. And one thing that you cannot get around is vocabulary. Now, Look, somebody's out there saying, well, you can learn the roots of words and you can do... Yeah, dude, you can learn roots. It takes forever. You know, students aren't very adept at it. Nobody wants to do it. So you can learn learn roots of words. But the bottom line is if you know a word, then you know it. And if you don't know a word, you can kind of guess. But it's going to be really hard, really hard to pin it down and be 100% confident. So because of this, there aren't that many vocab questions on the test and as there aren't that many and the only real way to improve people is to actually make them study vocabulary we don't do a whole ton of it because look if i make there was this girl i worked with a while back her name was sam sam studied something in her english class her english teacher made her study something like five or six hundred words and when we were working together she said well do you have a list of words i have to study too i said no that's not valuable she said, well, my English teacher says it's valuable. And I said, well, that's great. You know, like get the words. Improving your vocabulary is very valuable for a number of reasons. But from where I sit, it's not that valuable. But let's see how it plays out. So Sam goes and takes a test. And I talk to her afterwards and say, hey, look, how did it go? She laughed about it and said, you know, of my entire list, I think there was only one question that was on the test. And it was the wrong answer. <laughs> I laughed about that. I was like, yeah, how long did you take spending? How much time did it take? How much effort did you spend on learning that vocab? And she said a lot, a lot of time. So again, because of that, I don't really don't really rock through that and, and make kids do flashcards. But there's something that happens when people are going through words because the majority of people can can eliminate one or two and then guess. Okay, so they're like, look, I know it's not vindictive. I know it's not, uh, you know, egregious. I don't know what austere means, and I don't know what, you know, this other word means, but I'll just take a guess. That would be best case scenario. But what students do, which I've always kind of found interesting, is say they know one of the words is not the right answer. And they do not know what the other three words are. So again, you have four options. One word you're like, okay, I know that I know what that word means, but it, it doesn't look like it's the right answer at all. And I don't know what these next three words mean. Time and time again, you know what they do? 
they select the word they know and eliminate the ones they don't know. Even though they'll admit, yeah, I didn't think that was the right answer, but I didn't know what to do because I didn't know what the other answers were. And I always get on them. Look, you can't do that. It's like you gotta, you gotta hang in there. You know, if you know, if you know the word isn't right, then you gotta eliminate it and just take a stab in the dark. Everybody screws this up, though. It's a really interesting thing, and it's for a long time. It's one of those things that has kind of, in my mind, remained the domain of the SAT. It's not really something that, you know, I bring up at a dinner party as as this really incredible, you know, kind of human trait. I have a I have a friend though, who's an old landlord. This guy Mark. I'm gonna have to get him on the podcast at some point because he's the president of the Berkeley Properties Owner Association, which is an apartment association, and he's been renting apartments in Berkeley since I think it was like the late 70s. Now, in case you've been living under a rock and don't know it, Berkeley is quite possibly one of the most difficult places to rent apartments. And evictions are are everywhere. Eviction controls are everywhere. Attorneys are everywhere. Mark has never had to hire an attorney. And he's also never evicted anyone. He doesn't even know what the eviction slips look like. And I talk to Mark a lot about this and specifically say, you know, like, what, what's your secret? And Mark goes into talking to me about chocolate. <laughs> so Mark is not married, doesn't have kids, has never been married. Mark makes chocolate and he's been making chocolate and caramel and stuff for decades. He, he in fact, incredibly generously made my wife and me, I think it was something like 50 pounds of dark chocolate for our wedding. And we had this chocolate bar at our wedding. It was tremendous. I mean, dark chocolate turtles and caramel things, like all kinds of good stuff. So Mark makes this chocolate. And he's like, so you know how you make turtles? You actually get a conveyor belt and you melt the chocolate and then you have to run the turtles underneath the little almond and caramel things. You got to run them underneath this waterfall of chocolate and they got to cool. Like there's this whole big process. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, okay, I don't like, I don't understand any of this. And he gives all of this chocolate away for free, 100% for free. And he always talks about it when people ask him about, about his, his rental management style. And his position is, look, how much is goodwill worth with tenants? Because Mark gives away, I think, two or 3,000 pounds of chocolate a year to his tenants and friends and family, whoever asked, but primarily for his tenants. He's got a free chocolate room for his tenants. And he says, look, how much is Goodwill worth? And people were like, I don't know. I don't know what it's worth. He's like, exactly. They say, yeah, but Mark, you spend probably $10,000 a year in chocolate. He's like, I know. How much is that worth? They're like, well, it cost you $10,000. He says, I know, but how much do I get back? They say, well, I don't know. But that that seems like a lot of money. Mark always comes back to reminding people that because something is impossible to value, it doesn't mean the value is zero. And in his case with this chocolate, Mark says, look, I've been doing this for decades and decades. 
I've never had to hire an attorney. I've never lost rent because I was trying to evict somebody. That just calling an attorney will cost you a couple thousand dollars. I never have a problem filling my units. My tenants are happy. So what's the value of the unknown? And you never get the satisfaction in this experience of saying, oh, yes, I get it. So you spend 10000 but you save twenty, Or you spend 10000 on chocolate, but you save fifty. You also never get to say, Mark, you spend 10000 on chocolate, you only made five. You never get to do that. It's always a just completely dissatisfying experience of, I wonder... But it's impossible to say Mark is wrong entirely. Because the bottom line is, there are real-world consequences to this vocabulary issue. In Mark's case, if you look at that and say, I don't know what that's worth, just like I don't know what a vocabulary word means, and you assume it's wrong, well, then you put yourself in a real bind. Again, I recognize the difficulty with dealing with something that you can't value. I get that. But to assume that something is impossible to value and therefore must be worth zero or must be worth less than what it costs you or must be the wrong answer. You don't know a vocab word. You assume it's wrong. That is ultimately such a limiting perspective You'll shut off so many avenues of potential growth. You'll never really assess situations properly. And ultimately, you might just limit your life, personally or professionally. So before you write off an action, a plan, a concept, a word, because it's really hard or potentially impossible to actually value it. You should take a step back and think about it. You should take a step back and say, okay, I know it's impossible to value, but is there possibly, possibly justifiable upside here? There are no guarantees in the world, but you might be happy with the result. I'm Matt Todd, and this is the engine that drives me. Go out and crush it.